Today and next Sunday are the last two Sundays in this seven-week series we're calling Practicing Resurrection. Park Hill Church is built around this idea of practicing the way of Jesus together in San Diego. To be a Christian is to be a Jesus follower, or in the language of the New Testament, an apprentice of Jesus. An apprentice is someone who gives his or her life to the journey of becoming like their master. And that's what we're all about, being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're in the middle of a pandemic right now. What does it look like to practice the way of Jesus, to practice resurrection in the craziness of quarantine? Different kinds of prayer, silence, and solitude. And this week, we're looking at a practice that has been the most significant for me and my family. All of them are important, but this one's unique. It's arguably the oldest practice, uh, and it has the power to change your life dramatically, not exaggerating. In a sense, even God practices this in the story of the Bible, and that is the practice of Sabbath. Sabbath, the ancient Hebrew practice of completely setting aside one day a week to stop and rest Embrace and delight. So when COVID-19 first hit the U.S. back in March and we had to shelter in place, I heard a lot of people talking about how, you know, this is a forced Sabbath and like God is inviting us to rest right now. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't think this quarantine is a forced Sabbath. I mean, Sabbath is about feasting and resting. And does this feel restful to anyone? Like, are you feeling embraced and delighted right now? Um, not exactly, right? Like, for most of us, this does not feel very Sabbath-like. It's less like a feast and more like a fast. When we see someone we recognize in public, like <laughs> at the grocery store, we see somebody we recognize, we're starving to just hug them right now. We just want to be hugged. And a lot of us are emotionally exhausted. The practice of Sabbath in this moment is an act of trusting worshipful, peace-filled resistance in a time of fear, loneliness, and emotional fatigue. In this moment of mandated withdrawal from physical presence, I believe it's more important than ever that we intentionally practice Sabbath in God's presence. Right now, while our future is uncertain, our idea of time is like being threatened. And God invites us in this moment to set aside time to rest as an expression of trust in his future faithfulness. That's what the practice of Sabbath is. And I believe this has the power to change our church, to change you and me. So let's uh, right now open your Bible, open our Bibles to the very beginning of, this, of the whole story. The book of Genesis. Sabbath is literally on page one and two of the Bible. I told you it was ancient. So Genesis one, verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image, and in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. 
Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning. Day six. Okay, that's day six of creation. So after the heavens and the earth, land, sky, sea, animals, God creates human, you and me. He creates human. And, and first, he creates them. And second, he blesses them with his presence. And the third action of God is actually really surprising when you come to it. The third action, it's, it starts in chapter two, verse one. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Okay, God rested. Think about that. Like, we think we're big shots and super busy people. Uh, the God of the universe rested on the seventh day from work. So I, I also learned something new about Sabbath this week, something I never realized before. Not only did God rest on the Sabbath day, but the Sabbath day is the first and only thing God declares holy in the entire book of Genesis. Did you know that? I didn't even know that until this week. Sabbath is the first and only thing God says this is holy in the book of Genesis. And so what does that even mean? When God declares something is holy, he's saying, this thing is mine. Like this is devoted to me. It's uniquely set aside for my own special reasons. I have great plans for this thing. So this is what God says about his people Israel in Exodus 19. He's like, you're holy. You're devoted to me. You're my special family. And this is what God says about his priests in Exodus 28 and about his sacrifices in Leviticus 27. They're holy to the Lord. In the scriptures, if God declares something holy, he's saying, I want this. I love this. This mine, and I have really, really good plans in the works for this. So before God calls Israel or the priests or the sacrifice is holy, the very first thing he calls, he takes Sabbath. He takes Sabbath, the Sabbath day, and he says, oh man, I have huge plans for this. Like I'm gonna shape humanity around this day. The Sabbath is going to be the first thing that shows the universe what my holiness looks like. So why does God make such a big deal about Sabbath? Because God is ultimately relational. And the Sabbath day is completely set aside for relationship and abiding together with God and human family. God didn't create everything to just like flex. Uh, he created for relationship. And the author of Genesis, if you pay attention to the literary structure of the chapter, he makes this point in the very shape of the story. The whole creation story builds up to day seven. And let me ask you, were humans made on day seven? 
No, we just read it. Humans are day six. And there's a reason for that. Contrary to how we humans tend to view ourselves, humans are not the grand finale of creation. Sabbath is. The shared rest and relationship between God and humans is the high point of the creation story. It's no wonder that Sabbath is the first thing God calls holy in the Bible. God's ultimate end goal, his, his end game, is to be united in loving relationship with his creation. And uh, I love how Old Testament scholar Michael Morales says it. It's a great quote. He says, until this wonder, this wonder that Sabbath is the high point, until this wonder sets deeply that the potter has crafted a vessel with whom he can interact and engage relationally, understanding the image of God will be limited to the goings-on of the first six days. Humanity, nevertheless, is not the culmination of creation, but rather humanity in Sabbath day communion with God. And Morales goes on with this line. He says, the Sabbath thus becomes the day for humanity to enjoy its privileged status of being created in God's image. But powerful. Um, and one of the most amazing things about this creation story is that this Genesis creation story, there's actually two stories there, one in chapter one and then another one in chapter two, two ways of telling the story. And those Genesis stories, they weren't the only creation stories around. Do you know they're not the oldest creation stories to be written down? What's interesting about the Genesis creation stories is how they're different from all the other ancient stories. The Genesis creation story, get this, it's the only one that says God does not require us to work seven days. It's the only ancient creation story that gives work dignity and makes rest sacred. All the other gods in the ancient world, they require, they demanded humans work seven days. All the other gods were like, humans are our slaves, in fact, that's exactly the culture the Jews were delivered from, Egypt, right? Like in Egypt, Pharaoh was considered the incarnation of God, and Pharaoh demanded the Jews grind away their humanity in 24-7 slavery. And once the Jews were delivered and began to form a nation and form scriptures, God's message to them was loud and clear. He's like, no, 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 no. my intentions are different for humanity. I love you. I made you so you can rest in my love and then go work from out of my heart. And get this, this is another beautiful, I'm turning, I'm turning the gem of, of Sabbath right here. So another angle, since humans were made on day six, the very first full day of human existence was a day of rest in God's presence. So the day began in the evening for the ancient Jewish culture. And so when they were created on day six, they stepped into the first sunset of Sabbath in God's presence. And God's seventh day rest was the first divine activity humans were privileged to witness and enjoy. And so church family, this is actually a powerful picture of the gospel. God's grace... And his mercy, it doesn't say, hey, do your work first, perform, 
and make sure you set up your identity as awesome first, and then you get to rest. God doesn't say that. God's grace says, you get to rest in my love first, and out of that you work, and you delight in working with me in the world. So out of our rest in God, our work becomes the gracious expression of Yahweh's creative energy in service of others to create shalom. That is God's definition of work, human work. I'll read it again, it's so powerful. Out of our rest in God, our work becomes the gracious expression of Yahweh's creative energy in service of others to create shalom. Come on. Like think of how our culture normally views work. God's idea of work is very different than the idea of just working to collect a paycheck so we can get around to doing what we really want, right? The, the, the biblical creation picture out of our rest in God, then we turn toward the world and work for the glory of God and the peace of our neighbor. But, and we're turning the corner of the sermon and, and I, would just wanna, I just wanna say right now, it's so easy for us to forget this. It's so easy for us to forget this, especially now in this wild moment of pandemic where work and rest are so unpredictable for so many of us. It's been two months of this, right? And we're either like forced to work from home and homeschool from home if you have kids, or we're either considered you know, essential workforce and we go out and some of us are fearful of what'll happen to us if we go out and some of us aren't, or, or we're just, or, or you're just struggling because you're not deemed essential workforce by the powers that be, and so, and you can't work from home, and so you don't know what the future holds. Um, this is a this is an unprecedented moment. Uh, however, this last week, thankfully, some of us have been able to get back to work, and and especially for you, let me encourage you um, as you step into whatever the new normal is, remember the Sabbath. Don't forget to orient your work and rest around God. Remember the Sabbath. In this insane moment, it's so easy to forget to live in God's rhythms. All our rhythms are thrown off. We're still two months in, maybe you're, maybe you're finding a stride and you feel great about everything. Um, I venture to say that's still the minority. <laughs> uh, so it's so easy to forget to live in rhythms of rest where humans were designed to, th designed to thrive with God. And Jesus invites us higher. He invites us deep into rest. And I love this message paraphrase of Matthew 11. This is the Sabbath invitation from Jesus. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So Jesus doesn't say, come to me and I'll make you successful. He doesn't say, come to me and I'll burden you with religion. He says, come to me and you will recover your life. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. 
And I, I know many of you who are watching, and I've talked with you, um, many of you at length in, in moments over these last two months, and I've seen the rest of Jesus. I've felt it come through the Zoom windows with you, just the smiles and the confidence amidst uncertainty, great phone calls, great Zoom meetings. So many of you are lighthouses of rest and hope. And I'd want to say well done to you. God is doing an incredible work in so many of your hearts in this moment. This is a season of pruning. The Heavenly Father is allowing us to be stripped of the things that don't belong, even uncomfortably so in order to make way for the new thing the Spirit wants to do in our lives. And so speaking on behalf of the leadership, you know, Sandy and Matt and Aaliyah Persley and Matthew and Elodie Ruffay, the elders and then the staff, uh, our hearts for you all in this moment is that you become so aware of Jesus's presence in your life. And, and, and so you're so learning to come to Jesus for rest and take on his unforced rhythms of grace. This is our heart for you in this moment. That a couple weeks ago, let not your heart be troubled, that that would become a rhythm. Last week, actually, we talked about that, that that would become a rhythm that we know how to engage in. We know how to cast our cares on God, and we know how to rest every week in the presence of Jesus. That's our prayer. Just rest, that you'd rest from worrying about things you can't control that you'd rest from having to perform for your worth. Will you accept Jesus' invitation this week? Come to me and I will give you rest. And as followers of Jesus, the most concrete, practical way we can step into that resting rhythm is through the practice of Sabbath. Why Sabbath? Why Sabbath? Um, well, just short list. For starters, Sabbath was commanded for the entire nation of Israel in the Old Testament. It was a unique Old Covenant command that God shaped his people through. Also, Jesus practiced Sabbath in the New Testament, and he clearly taught about Sabbath, saying that Sabbath was not made as a legalistic weight over us, but it was made to be our gift. Jesus said it this way, the Sabbath, uh, man was not made to serve the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made as a gift to serve us. Still is. And then Sabbath also has been practiced by the church throughout history. And then finally, Sabbath is still a gift right now for you to receive every week for the rest of your life. And so what is Sabbath again? Again, it is very, very practically the ancient Hebrew practice of completely setting aside one day a week to stop, rest, embrace and delight. So 24 hours, shut it down and rest with God. Can we step into that this week? Take a day and remember the Sabbath. To remember the Sabbath is to remember who we are. Children born of grace and mercy in Jesus Christ. So that's Jesus' invitation to you right now, to rest. This message right now is a message of rest. Okay? Okay, so where do we go from here? At this point, you might be thinking, okay, Evan, like, I take a day off. I take a day off each week. I'm good, right? No, no, no. I, I'm not talking about a day off. A day off is when undisciplined, unsabbathing people finally get around to all the chores they miss during the week because they're abusing their lives, okay? <laughs> it's, a, it's like a catch-up day. 
that might be a day off from your paid job, but it's not Sabbath. Sabbath is something different. Taking a weekly Sabbath day from all paid and unpaid work to worship, feast, and rest, this is to practice resurrection in the middle of uncertainty. This is to actually begin the process of God's reign being present in the world through his people of peace. Okay, so that I know all kinds of questions come up when you talk about Sabbath. Um, you might be like, okay, but how do I actually start? Um, I have a day off, but you're saying a day off doesn't necessarily mean Sabbath, so how, tell me, what do I do? Um, again, I'm gonna put them on the screen. Stop, rest, embrace, delight. A day for that. So number one, stop. Stop, what does that mean? For me, that means, no, I'm not gonna take that call. Like, my phone is off for 24 hours, unless, you know, Gavin's out at work, because, uh, you know, uh, we tend to stagger our Sabbaths now that we have five kids and some go to school on Friday. Our Sabbath is Friday morning through Saturday morning. And so if, if a kid is out, then uh, my phone is on for them alone. I'm try, I try to be really disciplined not to, you know, abuse my time and my device. But if the kids are all home and everything's accounted for, phone is off. I need that. Also, it means for me, I'm not going to open a single social media app for 24 hours. Because here's the deal. I need a day, every, I need a weekly reminder that I'm just not that necessary. Like I'll never finish all my goals and projects. And God is on the throne managing quite well in ruling the universe without my help for a day. And I need to remind myself of that through a letting go. And so just, here's what I suggest, and I'm trying to learn this piece, just as your Sabbath day begins, and this is the hardest part for me, stop and do what God did on day six, where he turned back to the week behind him and said, it is good. This is hard for me. I like to finish everything that comes to my brain, like come up with dreams and create more work for myself than I can do, and that's abusing my life. And so I turn back and I look at my unfinished and my finished work, and I choose to say with God, it is good. And I step into Sabbath fully present. That's me on my best Sabbath day. That's what I'm trying to work towards every Sabbath day. So number one, stop. Number two, rest. To Sabbath is to rest. And like any healthy person will tell you, a good, a good rest restores you, right? Like it replenishes you. The problem in quarantine culture right now is that we really know how to relax, <laughs> not necessarily how to replenish, right? Like, the, like in this moment, it's so easy to be lazy in our resting. Um, watching an entire season of Tiger King by yourself over takeout is super relaxing. It will not restore your soul, okay? So like, you don't, you don't come out of a private, like one-off eight-hour Netflix binge, like, oh yeah, I'm flourishing in my gifts now. Like, I'm just ready to be released into the world as the best version of myself or whatever. No, that, that relaxation is more like medication. <laughs> so, um, so the question, what truly replenishes your soul? For me, if I'm sitting on my back deck there with a good book and a good drink, or if I'm on a long neighborhood walk with Sandy and the kids with my phone off and fully present, 
In that moment, I'm as close to God as I've ever been. So what restores your soul? Like for some of you, it means like a weekly epic nap or something. Um, or, or hiking or actually reading or planning your favorite meal that you can cook with, a, with another person or whatever soul replenishing activity looks like for you. Jesus rest, it means, here's the point. Jesus rest means renewal, not just relaxation, okay? So, uh, so number one, stop. My kids are crying in the background. This is real, together at home. So number one, stop. Number two, rest. Number three, right now, embrace. To Sabbath means to embrace. And I wanna say right away, this is the hardest for us right now in, in you know, COVID-19 moment, in quarantine. We just long to hug and be hugged right now. I just think of you know, the couple hundred folks that are tuning in and I, I wish I was seeing you so that we can greet at the door and hug, even if it's just a quick one. You, you think of like, I think of like the quick hugs that were so taken for granted in building 177 and, and now we can't even have that at all. Uh-oh, hey kids. So, and, and we, have to, we have to shift right now. So we have to shift right now, the emphasis of this one. In Sabbath during quarantine, allow yourself to fully feel your longing for embrace and intentionally communicate that longing to someone in your life. So channel your longing for embrace into communication that expresses that longing. Because here's the deal. Sabbath is a scheduled weekly reminder that life is not about what we do. Rather, life is about who we are loved by. Life is about who we are loved by. Sabbath reminds us of this. We need to remember this and remind one another. We can't physically embrace right now, but we can start the day aware of God's embrace, right? And then communicate how much we miss the embrace of others. And it's amazing how like powerful that kind of communication is in this moment. Friends text me saying, Evan, I just wanna be with you right now. I just wish we could be together. I just wish we could hug. And hearing that from people that I wouldn't normally hear it from, it warms my soul in a deep way. That intimacy and that expression of longing, that's a powerful form of embrace in this quarantine moment. So stop, rest, embrace. And then number four, and finally, delight. Like, I love this one. For, for, for me, I think of feasting. And so here's how it looks in the Wickham house. Um, like I said, our Sabbath starts Friday morning. So we get up and we're fully present to each other, have breakfast, and then we maybe go for a walk all together and we stay unified as much as we can all the way to making dinner together. And then it ends Friday, or it doesn't end. It goes into Friday night with a family movie. So we have one family movie night a week where we all try to agree, all seven of us, on the one uh, film that we're gonna watch. And then it's over, we go to bed. And then Sabbath isn't officially over until pancakes. So we make pancakes and there's always at least a kid or two helping in some way, either put oats or berries in it or whatever. And then um, we just pour the butter and syrup like we're made of the stuff. And we'll sing like um, this old Jewish song sometimes, like we jokingly like Shabbat Shalom River, Shabbat Shalom Hendrick. It's right there, he's smiling. And it's a Sabbath, Shabbat Shalom, Sabbath peace, restful peace on you, 
restful peace on you. And we smile at each other. And then we finish our pancakes and Sabbath is over. And we do our Saturday. I usually work, go into work at that moment, finishing the sermon. Um, so here's the deal. Delight, feast. There are so many sources of pleasure and entertainment competing to delight you. Right? I mean, everywhere we look, we see images of brokenness and sin and lies, you name it, and it's often masquerading as like delightful entertainment. And if we don't develop a rhythm of unplugging from that and finding a truer source of delight, uh, we'll experience deep emotional fatigue. And so everywhere, yeah, Park Hill Church, we have to learn to feast on the goodness of God and to delight in him. Spend the day intentionally reflecting and responding to the gospel, like the good news that I'm, I'm going to step into work next week because of God's salvation and God's empowerment in my life. Thank you, God. Stop and delight in who Jesus is and what he's accomplished for you. Uh, and, and, and choose, choose to cast your mind onto Jesus and delight in him and not politics or consumerism or entertainment or whatever else. This was God's heart for us all along, you guys. Ever since the first people of God heard his voice and responded to him on Mount Sinai after being delivered from slavery in Egypt. Yahweh said, Exodus 33, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And this has been the invitation for thousands of years, as long as God has been dealing with humans. And God wants us to remember the Sabbath and become a community of Christ-shaped rest. This is the call, church. Remember the Sabbath. Practice it this week. It's easier for some than others. I get it. Watch what happens. It can be tough if you haven't really done it. At first, it can feel like the opposite of relaxing because, you know, it's been so long since you've been fully quiet with your own thoughts. That's normal at first but it's going to be amazing for you, amazing for our whole community. Because listen, I've, I've never met anyone um, who said, oh yeah, Sabbath, like I used to do that, super not into it anymore. Like I've never heard that. <laughs> I mean, I've heard people struggle like, oh, I used to be good at it, but I long for it again. It's been hard, but I wanna go back to it. I've never heard anybody like, oh yeah, that was, wasn't for me. Um, that's, you don't hear that. There's something about Sabbath once you start practicing it, it somehow just sticks. So get together with your communities, your families, your roommates, uh, and talk about how you plan to practice Sabbath this week. Then share stories about how God met you in it. And let's, be, let's just be the kind of people who have such a beautiful grasp on rest and communicating intimacy with God and one another that the city of San Diego is just thrown for a loop by how centered we are in this crazy decentered moment god is calling us to be a centered church that orbits and is shaped by jesus's rest so there it is church we're going to go into communion now and celebrate the god who gave us rest through his own body and blood so let's agree let's agree together right now just to learn jesus's unforced rhythms of grace